Today I'm going to be talking about delayed gratification. This is part of our Strength Coach Chronicle series, a blog post that I've been running for the last two years. This is one that was really important for me, and this is kind of the, as I look back through these blog posts, you can see where I was at from a emotional or psychological standpoint. But this is one of those ones where you're discussing with another coach or trying to talk to an athlete that, hey, this isn't going to be something that makes sense right now in the moment, but don't judge me by the situation, judge me by the outcome. So this, and amongst other strength coach chronicles, you're going to really get a deep dive into the inner psyche of all things Tim. If you haven't heard already, we have a curriculum, the most advanced curriculum for a strength coach on the market at phpodcast.com, where you can dive into four separate courses, coaching, training, movement, and nutrition, as well as get access to debates and lectures I've done. This is over 50 modules. It's going to be a deep dive into all things strength conditioning. It's how I learn. It's how I teach. It's all the things that I think a strength coach needs to have in their back pocket as a constant and evolving resource for them to be the best coach they can possibly be. Not to mention, we also have strength deficit, leveraging eccentric versus concentric strength ratios. This is your consummate resource for you, the strength coach, to be able to leverage either eccentrically focused training or concentrically focused training. Feedback has been phenomenal. One of the feedbacks we got, though, it's really technical and it's a lot of nuance. So what I wanted to do was create a course to help you dive into the practical aspects. So we made a course and it's going to be available to you guys very shortly. If you are a member, you have advanced access to that course. It is Strength Deficit, the Practical Guide. This is something that I think will be a very, very high value to everyone out there who's read the book. If you haven't read the book and you want to dive into the course, I think you're going to be, you're going to be really pleasantly surprised. It's a really good course. It's got 21 lectures, but it's only going to be reinforced if you actually have the book first. Lastly, I want to say thank you to our sponsor, Realize.me. This is your command center for all health and wellness performance. This is what I use for myself, all my clients. It's a really, really powerful tool to help you create dashboards, experiments, and now it has functionality to not only sequester labs, but get discounts on supplements from companies like Thorne and Designs for Sport. Really great platform. Can't recommend it enough. If you really want to see the power of your interventions, I recommend Realize.me. Without further ado, let's go into this Strength Coach Chronicles, going through delayed gratification. So this is something that I think on my mind when I try to do something like speed training, or I'm trying to do a program like high-low. It's that effect of when you have someone in your weight room, or when you have someone going through a program that's new, you know, there's that anxiety associated with, I'm taking this proverbial leap. You know, I'm doing something different because I think it's better. I think it's going to be more effective. But you're breaking up a very delicate and fragile ecosystem, right? Because what we did previously was sell our program to such a high degree. And this is to create buy-in. This is to create great effort and great execution. This is to create compliance. And then to, on surface level, shift, change, or evolve, and the perception of, wow, okay, this is completely different than we've done it before. What you told me what we were doing before was right and correct, and now all of a sudden this is opposite. I know 
there's a lot of coaches out there that probably have that fear and anxiety about changing and transforming and moving into a new direction because of great degree of success or great degree of buy-in from something that we've done before. But when we're talking about this overall concept of providing high quality strength and conditioning for all of our athletes, you know, we need to be willing to grow and evolve for them. Just as like we're asking our athletes to adapt to the training and be open to the process of buying in and getting the most from their experience, you know, we need to do our, that ourselves. But it doesn't change the fact that that's going to be met with initial skepticism and initial uh, frustration. And this is change, change is hard, right? Uh, evolution is hard. And we've talked about evolution from the standpoint, it's not the strongest that survives, it's the most willing or most capable of adapting that survives. That is the key to evolution. You know, if I could go back in time and hang out with Charles Darwin for a weekend in the Galapagos Islands, I think he would tell you it's not the biggest animal here that's living from one, one species to the next or one generation to the next. It's the one that's most capable of adapting to the environment that's surviving. Isn't it the same for strength conditioning? I mean, you think about the evolutions we've had, even in my tenure, 20 years of strength conditioning experience, this field has done a complete 360 multiple times over. It's insane. And there's a lot of things that kind of perennially stay in the fold of like, what ideology do you believe in? What programming do you believe in? And in the end, though, man, the, the, what I started off as and what we are now, I am so grateful for my willingness to adapt and change because I would have been left a long time ago or I've been fighting some fights that are, quite frankly, not worth it. But what, what this really means towards a delayed gratification is that feeling of, oh, my God, is this going to work? And knowing in the moment this isn't really going to manifest in anything until we see a continued effort in a, an elongated body of work, that this low day of working capacity or working, working different biomotor abilities or working different biomechanical aspects isn't really gonna mean anything until way down the road or even to the next training session. And a lot of people would look at that as, as, as a waste of day. That's not really a good use of our time. A lot of people look at it, if we're not giving our absolute best, are we really doing what we should be doing? I see this a lot with military tactical athletes, and I had a really great discussion with a you know, tactical training uh, really coach over the weekend. And one of the things we talked about was that you paid me because you know you're not willing to do this yourself. You inherently know that you are not capable of understanding what is physiolog physiological limits and you need someone to give you permission to have a recovery day or have a day that's not necessarily full tilt or have a day that you're not going to you absolutely puke throw up and really go to exhaustion you're paying me to give you permission to do that so when i give you permission to do that the expectation is that you do that and then you don't and they go oh man well i wasn't hard enough so i started to add things in there well, you just completely screwed up the entire rest of the training block. That your unwillingness to take recovery in between, train, in between exercises 
or sets in between training sessions has put us in a compromised position that now we have to adjust and shift the next corresponding exercises, sets, or training sessions because you have now built up fatigue to such a degree. But this doesn't necessarily resonate right away. And I've done this multiple times over. And one of the things you kind of have to get out front on is saying, hey, tomorrow's a low day. Or, hey, we're going to sit between sets. Or, hey, we're really thinking about now we want to finish the workout and getting our heart rate recovery down or getting our heart rate recovery essentially up, I should say, into a point where we can actually get really high outputs in the corresponding sets. It doesn't make sense to people. And what you have to tell them is why we're doing this is because we're the aggregate of what we repeatedly do. And if what we repeatedly do is in a fatigue state, that is a lower quality. It seems counterintuitive that you don't constantly go or push yourself as hard as you possibly can. If you're there, you might as well make it the best possible effort you can do. And then the whole, if you got two legs and you can get up on two feet and you're not giving your absolute best, you're a failure mentality is something that's hard to overcome. It's something that doesn't necessarily resonate with a lot of folks, especially if they're type A, especially if they're in critical situations like life or death in the military or high stakes sports. But that's not the message. That's not the plan. So we're thinking about delayed gratification. It's thinking about we're holding off for the greater good. We're restraining ourselves so we can have a higher quality effort in another set or another day. But that doesn't necessarily resonate. But it's the same thing with everything we do. Right? When I go to a seminar and I don't know everything right off the bat and I'm really struggling to process everything, I could get frustrated. I can go, this is stupid. This doesn't make sense. This isn't applicable. This is really wasting my time. The unfortunate aspect is that approach is used a lot within our field and our domain. We are resistant to change because we're afraid of that feeling that we don't know what's going on. And we can't really see the short-term value. And what I do instead is reinforce things that I already know or reinforce a belief that I already believe. And that leads into short-term gratification. I feel good. I see the value. I know exactly what's going on. I'm in front of me. I can see, I can see the direct correspondence. Now I got a new drill or a new thing I could take back and change out that one thing I do on a Wednesday that I've done for the last three years. That's not making a better overall plan and system. But I'll be gone. I'll, I'll be damned. Man, looking at the next next year, or so now I've brought in enough variation to do a different drill and a certain exercise on what I'm doing on Wednesday. I'm gonna be good. It's hard. It's a hard thing for me to get on my get on my table and say, "Wow, you really figured it out." What I'm asking for my clients, my weight loss clients, my weight gain clients. Why do I gotta eat? so much food today why 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 what is this really doing and what i would always come back and say is or this is i've had these conversations a lot in the past week or in the last month and it's it's amazing when i wrote this blog post it's probably a direct reaction to the redundancy in these conversations of why are we doing what we're doing it's because the truth is as my 
is as I look at my job and I look at my platform, I have a responsibility to get out in front and help people with perspective. It's funny, man. I go back and look through the progressions I teach our coaches. I go through with all of my new clients, my new members. It really comes down to I got to get a, an inventory of what their willingness to change is and why they want to change in the first place. And sometimes I refer to it, you may have heard me say this, is how bad do you want it and what are you willing to do for it? That's a really important question. How bad do you want it? Really is your why, right? If you think about that. How bad do you want something is really going to make a huge difference on your compliance over a longer period of time. Because now we have some skin in the game. Now, when we look at what you're doing, you're going to be a lot more willing to do the things that are going to make a bigger net change than if someone kind of wants it or kind of doesn't want it. Think about it, right? You know, if someone wants to lose weight and you ask them, well, how bad do you really want it? I really want to lose weight. Why? Why do you want to lose weight so bad? Yeah, honestly, my wife just left me and I don't like my body image. She said I've gotten lazy. She said she doesn't, she's not attracted to me anymore. She said she's not happy. What do you think they're going to be willing to do after that? This is a life-shifting transition. This will be one of the most significant points of that person's life. And when you get to it and you say, okay, here's a hyper-motivated person, and you realize, too, there's going to be a ebb and flow and short-term fluctuation on that. But their willingness to do things is going to be immense. But you also know that their capacity and their resiliency is extremely low. And that's when we get into the willingness to, what are you willing to do for it? Because what you have to get out in front and have to say is, Hey, if I was just going to break you off with doing circuits six days a week and being in an extreme caloric deficit, one, the stress of that alone will absolutely destroy you. we got to build up. Yes, we need to have some sort of you know, appeasing the original thrust of, hey, I'm really motivated. I'm, I'm, you got my attention. I'm willing to do whatever it is you want to do right now. But what it really comes out to, their willingness to do something, is what we really need to do some deep dive into and start to evaluate what will be their bandwidth to accommodate recovery and to say, hey, I know we're not working out today per se. You got to lower your caloric intake. I know that we're exercising to accommodate weight loss or energy expenditure because it's energy in, energy out. And we've been really focusing on energy out in these days. So you get a little bit more latitude to eat more food. But today is the day that you're really going to be challenged. And you're going to have to eat less because we're burning less. And we need to burn less because if we keep going the way we're going, you're going to get a stress-related injury. You're going to start to develop extreme stress response like catecholamines, start to produce excess amount of cortisol. And that umbilical fat that we're trying to get rid of is not going to go anywhere because we have this essentially block of fat, fat cell receptor sites that we need to start to move on from. And I have several other podcasts that I've gone through 
beta and alpha cell receptor site sensitivity at the umbilical area, go into those if you really want to deeper dive into those. But for that person in front of me that's hyper-motivated, that maybe just listened to a, a podcast about you know, don't be a blank or get up off your blank and do something, you don't like who you are, violently change who you are, honestly, great message, sure, motivating for a period of time, but the folks that actually work with people on a daily basis don't have that luxury of just constantly going from person to person and motivating for five minutes at a time and not dealing with the back end, not dealing with the disappointment and despair of constantly failing. Honestly, I'm just going to say it. I am sick and tired of people that are sitting in the background, not working with people who have this audacity to say, oh, you should stop being this person and change immediately with not dealing with any of the long-term repercussions of this, of this shaming, so to speak. You know, people lack confidence and you just get out there for a three-minute spell and just have this impact on them. We're not dealing with the long-term ramifications of that person actually is going to be worse off for that. Because there's no way they could sustain that. That you're living this perceived life of extremes and people find that, find that as compelling and interesting and that's what they don't have. You're giving them, you're selling them snake oil because they don't have what you have or perceive what you have. They don't have the bandwidth to do what you do and tolerate what you do. And you sit there on your pedestal and give them some sort of message of, you just need to stop being soft and you need to get up and do something and run a marathon today. That's stupid advice. It's stupid advice because quite frankly, it's not what you would do from a physiological perspective. It's not what you should do from a psychological perspective. And it's damn sure not what you should do from a biomechanical perspective. I'm just telling this to you right now, the coach out there, the real ones listening to this podcast going through I'm faced with a lot of adversity in terms of my job with the exposure my athletes and my clients have to the outside world. And I'm having to temper expectations and I'm having to work through some of these psychological repercussions from them listening to other influencers giving this perceived aspirational lifestyle, knowing, knowing that's not real. It's a facade. It's an image of what someone wants to be, not who they really are. Because the truth is, is there's an ebb and flow to everything. That there's always going to be a yin to any single yang. That there's always going to be this matching extreme force in the opposite direction. The person that's putting out this persona of, oh man, I am the hyperest, I'm the hyperest, most conditioned, best, dedicated, blah, blah, blah. There is some sort of extreme depression and despair on the other end. I, I just, I'm telling you this. They have some demons. And they're sitting there giving this portrayal of a life better lived and better served to other people. It's not true. And we're dealing with the shrapnel from this psychological impact. So what you need to do with someone is get out there and start to ask, well, how bad do you want it? What are you willing to do for this? And then you need not ask, are you willing to go as hard as you possibly can every single day? You have to ask, hey, if I was going to push you as hard as I possibly can, are you going to be willing to do something less the next day? Are you understanding of how physiology works and what I need to do to help you get to point B? And what that's going to do is help us get to that outcome in a more linear fashion, not violently breaking you up just to break you up. 
that is training, is looking at it from the perspective of, I need this person to understand the greater goal and building up what they need to be from where they're at to that goal. And that's gonna take some recovery and that's gonna take some regeneration. And that's gonna take some time away from training. And I always say to someone, there's two ways to lose weight. We can increase energy expenditure, which is time tested and proven, or we can decrease energy intake, which is harder. I think anybody knows who's someone that overeats, telling someone to eat less as opposed to exercise more is really challenging. A lot of times it feels counterintuitive. A lot of times they're actually resistant to that, that logic because it's way more challenging. But what if? What if you could go through and just instead of actually focusing so much on what you control with exercise as a coach, you could start to do something in terms of energy intake and saying, yes, I don't control any of the hours of the day where they're eating food versus the hour of the day I might have them for exercise. My ability to change someone is probably more contingent upon the influence you have on them with time they're not there. And I'll say that again, because I think that's an important note. Your ability to change someone is more of the product of what they're willing to do when you're not with them. Your overall influence. Again, going back to the other influencers out there that have a short-term, finite amount of influence, there's a, there's a ripple effect of that. It's small. It's a big wave and it dies out quick. What's your ripple effect? Is it extreme? Is it long? Is it com they're always thinking in the back of their head? Yep, that was a, I understand why. I get, I get the overall impression. I'm motivated. They understand what my incentive is here, what I really want to do, what I want to be. They understand how bad I want to change. They understand why I want to change from the context of if I don't, I'm not going to be who I need to be. There's a lot of variables that play in that one. But if we start to break down what really is a good coach and what really is someone who's actually making a dent in other people's physiology and biomechanics and biomotor abilities, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, it's the ones that understand that if we don't have perspective of what we're trying to accomplish and we don't have a rationale as to why we want a low day or a recovery day or getting rest in between sets or just doing something that's a little bit more a little bit less counter, a little bit more counterintuitive and less direct breaking in half every single training day, that is coaching. And that's what I mean by delayed gratification. That's what I mean when I'm talking about the real ones out there. The ones that can get people to stay focused and engaged with doing a three, four minute break in between a sprint. As opposed to, ah, you guys look recovered, go ahead, go again. You know, walking back, showing video, talking to them, lighting in the mood doing some plyos, getting three minutes of rest in between a set that took eight seconds. Do you think that's easy? Do you think that's something that a lot of people know how to do? It's the time in between that really makes the difference. Because if I can knock out, if you look at a, just an inventory, and it's funny when people look at my program, you might see just three exercises. I mean, really, I'm, I'm being real here. You might just see three exercises or some of the stuff that I do with folks. And the goal is try to get as good quality as I possibly can. You might see three exercises with two, three days of, of low days in between, working on capacity. Might have a little bit more exercise because we might do a little bit more density in those. But if you look at the overall program, 
you might go, that's it? The real expert would say, I get it, I see it. How good are you are convincing someone this is an effective program really makes a difference. That's where they're gonna judge me on. The real coach is gonna say, no, I understand why you're doing that, but how good are you upholding this program? I kinda wanna see that. I wanna see how good you are at actually incentivizing this and motivating people to stay true to something that's minimal effective dose, but maximal intended benefit. Can you hold a conversation? Can you keep someone motivated? Can you not rush to help them get to point B? And if you start going off and start saying, I'm just hitting a whole other circuit on my own in between days because today wasn't hard enough, it's going to significantly impact you and what you wrote for a program. How good are you motivating them to not do this stuff that they feel is more intuitive or more in line with what they want to do the hours you're not working with them? Back to the nutritional example. Back to the overall effect that you're having on them. That is what I'm talking about with delayed gratification. It's, it's getting the person to not go as hard as they possibly can every single waking minute of every single day. It's tempering expectations and not breaking off someone that wants you to break them off knowing that's not sustainable. And seeing the trees through the woods. It's seeing everything that we want to accomplish and knowing the path to getting there and holding to that standard. And pivoting from that and focusing on the greater good. I think there's plenty of other examples that I probably should go on more of a tangent, but I think the point hopefully is laid, is that training programs, coaching, making change, is really about being patient and disciplined and holding them to a standard. Sometimes people are really motivated. Okay, slow down. Get them focusing on the greater good. Sometimes people are really not motivated and they need constant reinforcement and incentive to keep going. But it's all towards that greater good of what we're doing today, whether it's really hard or really fast or really heavy, or whether it's really light, really slow, and really, really easy, is all for some sort of larger, more functional output. That's delayed gratification. And that's what we need to be thinking about when we're trying to create change with people. Because if we're not, what's the point of us? They can, do, they can get tired anytime they want. They can do nothing anytime they want. They can stop training anytime they want. That doesn't need a coach. That has nothing to do with you. Everybody can do that. I can do that right now. I don't need to pay someone to get me to stop training or get really tired. What I need someone is to hold me accountable to a greater goal. And having the perspective to understand what that greater goal is and what do I need to do on today, tomorrow, the following day to get me to that goal. All right, guys. Hope you guys appreciate these. Hope these are helping. I hope uh, when you guys are out there coaching that you have someone that you know that is in your shoes and doing it too and having the same fights and thinking about the same things and understanding that it's not simple and it's not easy and we need resources and support to help us get to that end goal. Appreciate you guys and we'll see you guys next week.